Thank you, Brother Teddy. Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, let's clap our hands and shout with a voice of triumph, shall we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. The psalmist was saying, soul, bless my Lord. He wasn't saying, Lord, bless my soul. He was saying, soul, bless my Lord. Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Come on, somebody. Let's give the Lord a blessing right now. Oh, I bless you, Jesus. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Would you reach over and put your hand on somebody's shoulder? Would you just pray that God would just give them a good touch of direction and anointing here today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's get our Bibles out, please. If I ask you to read out loud. Just mumble and nobody will know the difference. Ezra chapter 9. If you've already given up on that, surely you can find the book of Revelation. We're going to turn there also. Chapter 2. Ezra chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Your 15 minutes is winding up. Ezra chapter 9. Ezra, of course, was the prophet and priest with Nehemiah rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And uh, that's fine. And much of the book of Ezra is a prayer of repentance. We're going to pick up that prayer of repentance in verse 5 of chapter 9. Might be just a little too hot, brother. Verse 5. Are y'all there? If you're not all there, would you just say, I'm not all there? There's always somebody willing to confess, I'm not all there. Verse 5, at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my heaviness, and having rent or torn my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God, and said, O oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up under the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass unto this day. He's writing this from Babylon during the Babylonian captivity. And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands to the sword, to captivity, to a spoil, 
to confusion of face as it is this day. And now, everybody say, and now. For a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God. Everybody say, a little space. Number one, to leave us a remnant to escape. That's the first space of grace. A remnant to escape. Everybody say escape. And to give us a nail in his holy place. Everybody say a nail. That God, our God, may lighten our eyes. Everybody say brighten our eyes. And give us a little reviving in our bondage. Everybody say reviving. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving. How many want God to give you a reviving? To set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. If you were reading the Amplified Bible, verse 8 would read like this. Follow along with me. And now for a brief moment, a little space there in the Amplified is a brief moment. Grace has been shown by the Lord our God who has left us a remnant to escape and has given us a secure hold. A nail in the Amplified is a secure hold in his holy place that our God may brighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Revelation chapter 2 the Lord speaking about Jezebel in verse 21. Surely you found the book of Revelation. Verse 21, the Lord says, speaking of Jezebel, he said, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. I gave her space. I gave her a moment. She didn't repent. The Amplified there says because she had no desire. She was given an opportunity, but she just lacked the desire to take advantage of it. I like to preach for the rest of the afternoon. I won't, but I'd like to. But for the next few moments, I would like to preach with your help. The four spaces of grace. Four spaces of grace. Father, we love you. We thank you. I feel this touch of your spirit here today, and I humbly ask you for your help. I don't want this to be my sermon or my message. I want you to speak to us. Let your anointing that flows like a river flow in this place today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. May be seated. God bless you. That is going to be too hot. I'll make it. I told somebody one time that I was going to be preaching about grace. And this fellow preacher shocked me to no end by saying, Oh, we're going to hear a charismatic message. I didn't take it particularly as a compliment. He assumed that because I was going to be preaching about grace, there was going to be a charismatic message. To me, grace is not a charismatic message. It's a Bible message. 
There isn't a soul in this room that got saved outside of the grace of God. Is that true or not true? The Bible says that we were saved by grace. By grace, ye are saved. Isn't that right? For by grace, ye are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. God's grace is a gift to us without which we could not have been born again. And I'm convinced we couldn't get saved, neither can we stay saved without God's grace. I don't think God's grace is a charismatic message. I believe God's grace is a Bible message. Thank God for the grace of God. I love that story we heard last night about the, uh, the composer of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. How many's glad for God's amazing grace? Paul said it this way. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Peter told us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, admittedly, there are those that have used the grace of God in a perverted way to teach that God's grace means because God is so good, you can live any way you want to live and God's grace covers it all. And we know that's not so. God's grace is certainly not a license to live a sinful, ungodly life. Amen. The Bible does tell us where grace abounded, uh, or excuse me, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And we understand that where there is sin, God's grace, God's mercy and love abounds beyond that, not to give permission or license to live in that sin, but to give opportunity to come out from sin and to live a life pleasing to him. The very next verse, uh, in the, the first verse of that very next chapter says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God's grace doesn't mean I can live in sin God's grace means I don't have to live in sin and I can have an opportunity to get free from sin. Amen. I did not get saved of my own volition. Amen. No man can come unto the uh, Father but by me, Jesus said. And he said, no man can come to me except the Father, the eternal spirit, draw him it's god's drawing power it's god's invitation it's god's convictions the pricking of the heart that brings us to him loving him was not your idea he said we love him because he first loved us he started this thing out I didn't come to that church that day because I just woke up and decided I wanted to get saved. He called us. He brought us. He drew us. He gave us his grace to give us an opportunity to respond to him. 
He didn't force us to get saved, but he gave us an opportunity to get saved. And how many's glad you were smart enough to take advantage of the opportunity? You couldn't have got saved unless you were given the opportunity to get saved. In my own particular life, thank God, I had a desire that God put in my heart and Pastor Chester Wright went out knocking on doors that day and the Lord led him to our apartment complex, to our very apartment and began to share with us a good word and the spirit testified and the spirit witnessed and that quickening was there and the opportunity was given and we went to his services a couple of nights later and thank God it wasn't a dead Pentecostal service. Thank God it wasn't a dry Pentecostal service. Thank God there was grace in the atmosphere and my wife and I went down and received the Holy Ghost and were baptized in that wonderful name of Jesus. Thank God for God's grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. How many's glad for the grace of God in your life? Can you give him a praise offering for the grace of God in your life? Hallelujah. Paul said, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. The Bible even closes saying the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God's grace, as I said, is an opportunity to take advantage of, but not a license to sin. Clearly brought out in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts where the Bible says on that church that great grace was upon them all. Great grace. But just to make the point clear that grace didn't mean you could live how you wanted to live. In the very next chapter, in the midst of this church where great grace was, two Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost. And in a great grace church, judgment was met out and they were killed and buried that very day in a church where there was great grace. So don't interpret grace as an as a opportunity to live how you want to. I'd like you to interpret grace as an opportunity to live like God wants you to live. Can somebody say praise the Lord around here? We've heard grace defined as unmerited or undeserved favor, and so it is. But I'd like to boil it down just a little simpler than that and just call grace God's opportunities. Because without the opportunity of grace, we couldn't get saved. And without the opportunities of grace, we cannot stay saved, if you please. Without God's grace, we couldn't accomplish anything for him. We couldn't evangelize. We couldn't see a move of God. It's all God's opportunities that he makes available to us that must be responded to. How many services have you been in where the preacher closed the evangelistic message and then there was that moment of grace where the altar appeal was made? That special feeling, this Magic moment, I think a songwriter wrote. I don't think it was about that, but it, it still is a magic moment. It goes like this, this magic moment. When the feeling is in the air and grace for a little space, a brief moment, grace is there. And the sinner grabs a pew in front of him and squeezes it to death. And that drawing power and that convicting power of God is moving. And somebody responds. Because it's like some 
leave policies and polit in, in government and business. It's use it or lose it. You can't stack it up. God's grace is something you use or you lose. It just doesn't hang around forever. That magic moment isn't going to be there the rest of the afternoon when the message is closed on that Sunday morning evangelistic service. There is a moment of grace, an opportunity, where if somebody wants to come, the atmosphere is right for them to come, but God won't make them come. He'll come close enough so they have an opportunity, but like checkers, the next move is up to you. And he gets close enough for you to respond. And you either respond or you lose it. Use it or lose it. Amen. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> it's like the rich young ruler. He was given a space, a brief moment of grace when he asked the question, what must I do? And the Lord said, do the commandments. He said, I've done that. He said, okay, there's just one little inseat. Itsy teeny weeny little thing left. You've done all that. Now there's just this one little detail. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. You've done all that whole list. Now just one more thing. And of course he turned away. He got a brief moment. He was given an invitation into the inner circle. And the price that was being asked of him to pay was too great. He had a brief moment. A little space of grace. Use it or lose it, sir. And he lost it. We don't hear from him again. We don't see Jesus chasing him down the highway. Oh, please, I'm sorry. Just sell half. Oh, just give a good offering and we'll call it even. He didn't chase him down the highway. He didn't change the message. He didn't change the price. He just gave him a brief moment, and it's use it or lose it. That space opens up. That magic moment appears. Somebody needs to have the good sense to take advantage when opportunity is knocking, and opportunity was knocking that day. I wonder if he'd be willing to give it today. I'm sure he would. Because when a space of grace is given, he won't force you. He won't impose himself on you. And how many times have we felt that brief moment close? The drawing power leave. And the place begins to disperse and those that would come have come. Nowhere does it say you only get one opportunity, but we're certainly not guaranteed Beyond that one moment, it's like Jezebel. She was given a space, a brief moment to repent. The atmosphere was right. The grace of God, the opportunity was given. But the Amplified there says she had no desire. Even though the moment was there, she didn't have a desire to obtain what was being offered to her. Because God won't make somebody do anything they don't want to do. He'll call us to it. He'll invite us to it. He'll give us opportunities toward it. But God can only do in a person's life what they have a desire on the inside to respond to. 
I had a desire for the power of God. I was involved with seances and witchcraft and hypnotism because I had a desire for the power of God, but I didn't know where to find it. But thank God there was a brief moment where the Lord said, if this is what you really want, this is where it's really at. And thank God in that brief moment, God gave me enough good sense to take advantage of it. And I'm so glad he did. And I'm so glad I did. And are you still glad that you did? Is anybody glad that God gave you a space of grace and you took advantage of it? Praise God. Oh, thank God. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. Free at last. Peter was told, you may be seated, come follow me. And that was a space Jesus took off. He was left. With the second half of the deal, you're the move. The next move is up to you. I made my move. Come follow me. Next move is up to you. <laughs> Peter looked around, said, sounded pretty good to me, and off he went. We may have never heard of him if he hadn't responded to his space of grace. And so... Our, the drawing power of God that brought us to him initially doesn't end there. He continues to draw us and lead us and give us opportunities that we continue to have to make choices and respond to one way or another. Continued opportunities, spaces of grace, if you please. You can't grow without God's grace giving you opportunity. You can't accomplish anything. There's great space of grace in this room earlier today during the preaching of the word and many responded to an opportunity. Maybe some didn't. Maybe some said, ho-hum, I don't see the big deal. What's everybody excited about? But there was others that recognized, here's a brief moment. Here is an opportunity. I refuse to sit on this pew and watch somebody else get a little closer when there's a brief moment here for me too. How sad it is to look across a congregation and see some saints responding and some saints sitting there digging in their pocketbooks and passing notes. That just drives me crazy, Brother Cole, in my congregation when God is blessing and somebody's clipping their fingernails. Don't you understand that these brief moments of opportunities are golden moments and we can't afford to let one opportunity slip through our fingers? That's why you're not going to catch me sitting on a pew wondering what's going to happen tomorrow. You're not going to catch me looking at my watch wondering when we're going to get out of here because every time we come together, every time he shows up, there's going to be a space of grace right there that I can get something that I need, that I can receive something I need, that I can get a touch in my body, that something can happen in my church and in my ministry, and you won't catch me sitting around not worshiping, not praying not magnifying God because if I magnify him perhaps he'll come by and give me a brief moment that I can respond to and get in a little closer and get in a little farther 
Somebody lift your hands and shout praise the Lord right now because God is wanting to open up some opportunities for this apostolic end time church. We can't do it by ourselves. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I need a space of grace to help me reach my city. If you're standing, reach over and pray for somebody else that's standing nearby you right now. Oh, God, give us a space of grace. I need thee, oh, I need thee. It's use it or lose it, church. I said it's use it or lose it. It's a brief moment when God is blessing. It's not time to yawn. It's time to shout. It's time to pray. It's time to worship. Because grace must be responded to. Does that make sense? Does this make any sense? Maybe seated. Grace left unresponded to becomes a closed window. He won't hang out forever begging and pleading. He gives the opportunity. And whosoever will, let him come. And so when the opportunity is there, how many lost opportunities have gone and slipped through our fingers because like Jezebel, we lacked desire because God's spaces of grace don't end when we get saved the first space of grace that's exercised in our lives is like Ezra prayed he said a space of grace to escape when you came and I came to God we escaped the pollutions of this world we escape the bondages of this world. That's why I can't understand people that want to go back to it. Hello out there. I can't understand somebody that's tasted of the world to come and been made a partaker of this good kingdom and they'd want to go back. Go back to what? Go back to where? Go back to who? I found what I was looking for. There's nothing behind me or I'd still be there. Thank God for a space of grace to escape. I was bound. I was hindered. I was chained. I could not get free. But a space of grace came by. And to whom the Son is set free is free indeed. When he touched me, the chains fell off. When he touched me, the fetters fell off. When he touched me, the desires left. And I escaped. Praise God. I escaped. Hallelujah. And thank God I'm glad to say 25 years later I'm still free. Come on. Has anybody free in here? Has anybody got some liberty in here? Has anybody still got some joy in here? Yeah. I could join you in that. Praise the Lord. Grace to escape. Come on, Lord, we need a baptism of revival that will give people a space of grace to escape from this world. You may be seated for 30 seconds.
But that's not the last time you needed a space of grace to escape. There are some folks so saved. Whether they realize it or not, they've adopted that once saved, always saved policy. I don't have to do nothing now. Rest of you pray, rest of you shout, rest of you worship. I'm saved. Honey child, take another look. You're going to need more spaces of grace to escape than just that first time. Because I don't know if you realize that when you got saved, the devil didn't die. He might have been pushed back a little while, but it only took him about 15 minutes to come on back. Man, I feel some Holy Ghost around here right now. <laughs> and he'll try to put some bondage on you. He'll try to bind you. He'll try to tempt you. He'll try to encourage you. But thank God. In a service like this, there's another space of grace to get free again. Does that make sense? Come on. If you're depressed today, there's a space of grace to escape from that depression. If you're discouraged today, there is a space of grace. You can be free if you want to be free, but you got to use it or lose it. You can sit there and have your little pity party and keep those chains on you. Or you can say, I'm sick of being bound. I want to get free in this atmosphere here. And you can, but you got to respond to it. If you don't respond, it's use it or lose it. Maybe seated for 30 seconds. Oh, I've just heard some chains fall off. Somebody said, I'm tired of being bummed out. You can escape. Come on. You may be seated. Spirit of temptation get on you. World start calling you. Sin start calling you. Now I know some of you soul sanctified. I know that. If you really got a good blessing, hair would get out of place and But there comes a point in time where you got to forget about your hairdo and your dignity and your image and you got to understand hey there is a space here and it's time for me to take a move here devil big enough in this tabernacle to hold you down if you want to escape from some discouragement, some depression, some temptation, maybe some carnality that needs to be taken care of. There's enough power in this room to set every person free from anything that's trying to bind you. 
Somebody lift your hands and give God high praise right now. It's a brief moment, not going to last all day. It's just a brief moment, just a space. Use it or lose it. Grace must be responded to. You may be seated. That's why 20 seconds this time. That's why some churches I've heard about aren't having a move of God. Everybody's bound. They need to escape all over again. Bound by friction. Bound by unforgiveness. Uh-oh, it's getting quiet in here now. Bound by carnality. Criticizing the shouters. Hey, look, if you want to get free, quit worrying about the criticizers and just get out there and get free. If you want to take advantage of a space of grace, All in favor of revival, shout yes! We're going to have to get free. We're going to have to escape. Just make any sense? All right, moving right along, dearly beloved, in our Bible study here today. On the four spaces of grace, we need to escape. Every worship service is an escape hatch. Every time we come together and begin to magnify the name of Jesus, look out, Satan, look out. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Twenty seconds. Use it or lose it. That's the first space of grace. I got a little guy in my church. He says this: "Time out for a shout." That sister over there is taking time out. What do you say we take time out for a shout? Anybody want to be free today? There's a space here. There's a brief moment here. Got something bugging you? Why don't you just escape from it? Got something disturbing you? Why don't you just escape from it? Got something that's confusing you? Why don't you just escape from it? Does this make sense? 15 seconds. What'd you say, bro? Some of the preachers need it too. I don't think they hurt. You want your saints to shout. You want your saints to respond. You want your saints to worship. Why don't you do it at camp meeting? What's the matter? You ashamed for your saints to see you shout? I wish the preachers would go to shouting right now. Hey! 
is what it's all about. This man's preaching the truth. Free at last, free at last. I'm escaping here today. I'm escaping here today. I got some pressures in my life. I can either let those pressures bury me and destroy me, or I can escape from the pressures in the presence of God. I don't have to take Prozac. I don't have to take tranquilizers. I got some tranquility in the Holy Ghost. You may be seated for 15 seconds. Let me see if you learned the lesson. Wait a minute. I see some of you smiling. I see some of you happy. I see some joy here. Be careful. You might get happy. You might mess up your hair. All right, I got to keep going. 15 seconds. The second space of grace. So I'm only 25% done here. There's four spaces of grace. The next three are quick. Was a nail in his holy place. Amplify a secure hold. The reason there are some folks that can't ever seem to get a grip is because of some weaknesses in their life that the enemy takes advantage of. And weaknesses and tendencies and prayerlessness. That'd make a good sermon right there. Prayerlessness makes people weak. Now, when the pastor is preaching, maybe I can get some amens on this one. When the pastor is preaching on Sunday night or whenever, and he's reading your mail, clearly, and in the Greek and in the Hebrew, and he's stomping your toes, that's not the time. To become old prune face. You know what a prune is? It's a plum all dried up. He was doing good as long as he was preaching to sister so-and-so. Now he's preaching at me. You see, when God gets to working on you, he's not trying to bug you. And the preacher's not trying to ruin your life. It's those areas of inconsistency that are causing you to be weak in the kingdom. And when God is convicting you about some areas of your life, he's giving you a space of grace to get a more secure hold in the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. we got to quit this little sissified Pentecost out. We're going to have to get mean about it. We're going to have to get stirred up about it. We need to get a nail in this holy place. Come on. When God is showing you some area that needs to be changed, that's not the time to dig in and get stubborn. That's the time to say, thank you for showing that to me, Lord. I repent of it. And now I'm going to get a nail in his holy place. God wants us to be strong.
and of good courage. And so he deals with this us in areas to work some little secret places out so we can get a nail in his holy place. I worry about people that can't repent. I worry about people. Thank you for leading us in a prayer of repentance earlier today. I worry about people that refuse to change because what they're doing is grieving a space of grace. If God is trying to deal with you in some area of your, I am absolutely convinced that nobody backslides without God having tried somewhere when it wasn't obvious to deal with some area of their life that they did not respond in a positive way to a space of grace. God dealt with about some secret areas. I lost all my shouters here today. But God deals with them about their thought life. God deals with them about some of their secret things and they did not respond to a space of grace and their life started to drift outwardly. Amen. When God is dealing with you, you know, the pastor doesn't have to know all about it. Your brother doesn't have to know all about it. You and God know about it. And when he's dealing with you, that's the time to repent of it and get a nail in his holy place. So when the enemy does come, he can't tempt you with that weak area. He can't set you up for a fall. Oh, God, thank you for a space of grace that causes me to grow. Can you shout praise the Lord? How many love that feeling, really, when you get a little space of grace and the conviction is there and you go to prayer and you talk to God and God makes it all right? What happened? You responded to a space of grace. Use it or lose it. Get closer or farther away. When God gives you a space of grace, if you don't use it, you get farther away. You don't stay where you are because it's going to take that much more to move you the next time. And then that much more to move you the next time. And each time you're hardening your heart just a little bit more, and pretty soon you can't be touched. Oh, God, give us tender spirits and quick response. When you're dealing with us, Lord, help us get a nail in your holy place, a secure hold. So when the enemy comes, Jesus, the way the prince of this world cometh for me, but he has nothing in me. Everything's been dealt with. Everything's been taken care of. He had a nail in the holy place of God. The fourth space of grace that will come in our lives is to lighten or brighten our eyes. To give us a little insight. I can't win my city unless God gives me some insight. I can't know, I don't know how to move, touch the people without some leading and some insight. Lighten my eyes, help me understand. I don't want to stay in nursery school. I don't want to stay in first grade all my life. Just putting 25 years in does not give me 25 years worth of wisdom. Just seeing this thing doesn't work by seniority. It works by responding to spaces of grace. I could pass you up in a heartbeat if I'm responding and you're not. Or you could pass me up in a heartbeat, but I'm not running a race with you anyhow. But growth and insight come through responding when God wants to open our eyes. Look at this. When Jesus 
was taking somebody up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And he wanted to reveal his glory and have a business meeting with Elijah and Moses. He wanted to brighten somebody's eye and let them see something and hear something that not everybody was going to hear or see. Now, 20, put it this way, 75% of the inner core did not get a space of grace to go up to that mountain. They did not get an invitation. 75% of the inner core. Only three of the 12, 25% of the inner core got a space of grace to see something and to hear something. I would like to believe, Brother Cole, if I was in the 75% group and didn't get invited, I'd like to believe that I'd at least had enough in me where I was wondering where they were going. And maybe sneak up behind and see what was going on. But there's no indication whatsoever they had any interest. You see, Jezebel had no desire. And when they came down, the Bible says they didn't tell anybody. The other guys didn't even know what had happened until they read it in the book of John. Not only did the disciples not tell, the 75%, it seems, didn't even ask. And I want you to know, those guys' eyes were bugging out of their head. I mean, they saw Moses and Elijah. And you know what Peter said when he saw Moses? Man, he looks like Charlton Heston to me. And they saw things and heard things. They were talking about his decease. And there was a space of grace to lighten their eyes. But only 25% saw it because of a space of grace. I wonder if those percentages work out. Is it possible that there's going to be a group of people in this end time church? How many believe God wants to speak to his church? How many believe God wants to show his church some things in the kingdom of God? Is it possible that there's going to be a, per a percentage of people in the core that are going to see things that other people aren't going to see and are going to learn things? I'm not talking about basic truths. I'm talking about insights into the spirit, how to get a revival movement, how to pray people through. If God wants to show anybody anything, I'd like to be the one on top of that mountain and hearing and seeing what God wants to show. How many want to be in that 25% group? Say space of grace. Hallelujah. How many? Just remain standing for just a second. I'm not through, but I almost am. And you're going to sit down again, so don't. If you don't want to get up, don't. But in order to get to the top, they had to climb their way up there. It was a long journey. And when God's calling you to prayer, he never told them what he wanted to show them. And he didn't tell them what they were going to see or hear. He just said, come. 
And when God is calling you to climb a mountain of prayer, you may not have any idea what you're going to see and what you're going to hear when you get up there. But he's just looking for somebody that will respond to a space of grace. He's going to brighten your eyes. Has God been dealing with anybody about your prayer life lately? If that's you, I want you to lift your hands and ask God to help you to climb the mountain of prayer. He wants to show you something. It's use it or lose it. Oh, God, if you're going to talk to somebody, talk to me. If you're going to show something to somebody, I want to be there. I don't want to be in the 75% that wouldn't respond, that wouldn't pray, that won't seek you. I want to be in the 25% to get an invitation. Reach over and pray that God would bless that brother or sister near you and that he would call them to a mountaintop of prayer and revelation. A space of grace. Is God giving us a space of grace right now to call us to our prayer closets? Oh, God, my flesh doesn't want to pray. My carnality doesn't want to pray, but I don't want to be down in that valley, Brother Cole. I want to be up on that mountaintop. I want to hear what's going on. I want to see what's going on. Therefore, Brother Pew, wherever you are, I'm going to have to crucify some flesh. I'm going to have to say no to some flesh so that I can climb that mountain. One more. You may be seated for just two minutes. One more space of grace. Your spirit rallies. Is that what you call them? 600 and some receive the Holy Ghost. That sounds like revival to me. Got another one coming in October. And in just in case anybody doesn't believe what's going on in Ethiopia, I was there last year, saw it for myself. Oh, my goodness. Talk about a space of grace. Revival. But you know what, Brother Cole? I wasn't satisfied to come home from that trip and just talk about revival in Ethiopia. I'm happy about it. I'm excited about it. But I'm just a little bit more concerned about Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to see a space of grace to give me a little reviving. That was the fourth space of grace. A little reviving in our bondage. You know what? Revival and a move of the Spirit and an increase is a space of grace. It's use it or lose it. Get interested in it or God will pass you by. Get hungry for it or God will give it to somebody else. It's use it or lose it. You got to respond to it. Here we go. Pregnant Elizabeth with John the Baptist is visited by pregnant Mary, mother of Jesus. And Elizabeth says, Mary, the baby was in me when he heard your salutation. He leaped. I mean, a baby in a womb can't leap too far. It's more like... Can't even get your feet off the ground, you know. He gave it his best shot. 
in my womb. In other words, when John inside Elizabeth recognized Jesus inside of Mary, he could not sit still. And he responded to a revival. And she gave birth to a revival. And if we're going to have to, if we're going to have a revival, we're going to have to learn how to respond to a revival. Hey, let's see if you remember. Come on. A little reviving in our bondage. Now, Brother Tenney, when we speak of bondage, let's all stand, please. When we speak of bondage. We normally think in terms of sin, the bondage of sin. Yeah. But in this bondage, in the context of this message, there's a little bondage in all of our lives. None of us have problem-free situations. None of us have perfect environments. There's things that I'm dealing with in Gaithersburg that may be different than what you're dealing with, but all of us are dealing with negatives, problems that if we let them get to us can be a bondage in our life. But he said, in the midst of your bondage, there's going to be a space of grace in the middle of problems, in the middle of impossibilities, in the middle of hindrances. There is a space of grace that you can have revival even though you're broke. You can have revival even though some just left. You can have a reviving in the middle of your situations. David said it this way, Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and I can have a move of God right with my enemies watching. What do you say? We start responding to a fourth space of grace and let God give us a little reviving in the middle of all of our troubles and hassles. How about somebody making a joyful noise right now and magnifying God in the midst of your bondages and God will give you a revival right there. Hallelujah. All in favor of revival, say yes. Now I want you to put your hand on that neighbor's shoulder one more time and pray, God, give them reviving in the middle of their problems, in the middle of their challenges, in the middle of their difficulties. Give them a space of grace that will give them a revival in spite of their difficulties. He space to escape, space to get a secure hold space to give you the spirit of revelation and space to give us a little reviving now lift up your hands and give god the kind of praise you want him to give you in revival right now